Please be advised that this episode may contain strong language and spoilers. Hello and welcome to What the Forks, a podcast in which we revisit a teenage obsession, Stephanie Meyer's Twilight Saga. We're still finding out if our love for this series will shine eternal or crumble to ash under close inspection. I'm Isaac. And I'm Chloe. And in this episode, we're talking about chapter one of the novel Life and Death, Twilight Reimagined. Hi. Hi, episode two. How are you doing? Every conversation I have now is like, and how are you? How are you doing? Yeah, are you staying safe? Are you washing your hands? The implication I always think is like, are you getting enough human contact? I never really got that much human contact and I've never missed it. Yeah, it's interesting. So I am very lucky that I live with one of my very close friends. She is not a hugger and I am. I'm also, I can't help but feel like because this is a situation that's kind of developing quite quickly, it feels almost necessary to kind of point out we're recording this uh, roughly a week ago. So who knows? You and I are speaking now about our experiences, but by the time people are listening to this, what kind of a, a situation the world's going to be in then? I don't know when I'm next going to be leaving the house if it's not to either get essential groceries or walk the dog. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I mean, I've been nominated to be the uh, supermarket person from my, my household. So I'm the one that goes out. Oh. I understand why, because I actually enjoy it in some ways, because I'm like, people. Two metres away, I hope. Well, this is the thing that really bothers me. The queuing situation, everybody is great. The minute you get into the supermarket, though, no one abides by the two metre rule, and it really pisses me off. Mm. There's a reason for it. And obviously we're very lucky. At the moment, we're we're both healthy, likewise with our families, and we're both able to stay at home at the moment, and not everyone is. So hope everyone's looking after their communities and themselves. Oh, I do want to have a little shout out. I don't think she'll listen to this because uh, she's so busy, but one of my flatmates works for St. John Ambulance, and she's just amazing. She hasn't had a day off and the work that she and her fellow employees do. It's a charity, you know, and they're helping, you know, major control rooms for ambulances and first aiders, and their work is just ridiculously important. So I just wanted to thank thank her. She's amazing. Her name's Rosie. She's amazing. We're going to start the book. Yeah, well, here we are. So we did the forward. That was our last episode. So now we're going to forget about the author's voice. Isn't that right, Isaac? Yes. The author is dead. Uh, not literally, not literally, but, you know, in terms of the role. Life and Death begins with a preface, which mm. should be called a prologue. Should be a prologue! So our protagonist, Bo, says that he's never given much thought to dying as the hunter prepares to kill him. Even if it would save him, he wouldn't have done anything differently because he's got to experience a dream so far beyond any of his expectations. Then we get into chapter one, first sight. Oh, wait, no, I have a point. Oh, what's your point? My point is that the word sauntered was used to make it clear that the villain is a woman. Mm, I believe this is where... I, so my role, I think, is going to be the Twilight Checker. Oh, well, I don't have any of my books. 
I would like to add for the listener, before the pandemic, I had a week of just moving back to London. So everything is still in boxes. The room that I am living in still has the old tenant stuff because obviously of the lockdown, no one can move out, no one can move in. So I don't have access to my books. So this is my pure memory. So no judgment. No judgment at all. So Sauntered hasn't been changed. No. So in Twilight, I got it here. The final line of the preface is the hunter smiled in a friendly way as he sauntered forward to kill me. Oh, well I revoke my last comment then. So then we head into chapter one, First Sight. The date is January 17th, 2005. Beau Swan arrives in Forks, moving from living with his unstable mother in Phoenix to live with his father, police chief Charlie. Charlie gifts Beau a big red Chevy truck and although he hates everything about Forks, Beau makes an effort to settle in. The next day, Bo starts school at Forks High. He's anxious that he won't fit in because he's tall. He meets nerdy-looking Erica, shy Alan, and chatty Jeremy, and he's sitting with them at lunch when he first spots the Cullens, Jessamine and Royal Hale, Eleanor, Archie, and Edith Cullen. They're all stunning in a very normative, Eurocentric, Caucasian way. In biology class, Bo is sat next to Edith Cullen, who is silent and tense throughout the lesson. Bo suspects that he has something to do with her rudeness, especially when she rushes out of the room as soon as the bell rings, and he runs into her in the office at the end of the school day, trying to change her class schedule. And that takes us to the end of chapter one. Okay, so um, let's go right back to the beginning of the chapter. The date is given. Yeah, we never had a date. I had to flick forward to see if there were any more. There aren't. I think that this, linking this to the forward, I think this is probably just a device to let us know that this is not set in 2015. Yes. Okay, interesting. I just find Bo's fascination with t-shirts insane. He goes on and on and on about t-shirts. From the beginning of this chapter, he's talking about his Monty Python t-shirt to make us know that he's cultured and has witty, clever humour that probably people his own age won't. (laughs) Okay, we get it. That is a classic trope, though. The young person interested in culture before their time to make them seem deep. Yeah, and unique and, oh, he's such a mm, heartthrob, whatever. I don't know. Then he's like, he's having to give up all of his t-shirts. Has he not heard of layering? What's he going to wear underneath? Uh, What do you wear underneath the jumper? Does he say that he's getting rid of his t-shirts? No, he doesn't say he's getting rid, but he says there's no need for t-shirts. That's a weird comment to make. You will be needing them. Please keep wearing t-shirts. Yeah, and then, now do we remember back in Twilight when uh, I had the whole purple t-shirt on the receptionist? It's a balding man now, the receptionist, interesting, who was wearing a t-shirt and again, Bo was like, oh, maybe I'm overdressed. Right, so your response to that is, still doesn't make sense? Yeah. No, I've literally written in my book, I get it now. I had like a penny drop, mind blown moment. She's made the comment clearer. Bo says, he was wearing a t-shirt, which immediately made me feel overdressed for the weather. In Twilight, that sentence ended with, which immediately made me feel overdressed. Yeah. And you and I interpreted that as overdressed, yeah. like, well, what <laughs> it means, formal. like, yeah. <laughs> looking too fancy, but no, for the weather. Okay, I bet he feels stupid now getting rid of all of his t-shirts. He has blue eyes. What colour were Bella's eyes? Brown. That was a bit massive <gasps> deal. Oh my God. Dude. Oh my God. I completely, oh my God. Oh my God. I can't believe you, Isaac. <laughs> On me, the pale blue is less youthful and more unresolved. Unresolved. I have pale blue eyes and I do not look unresolved. Why, oh why, does Bo have pale blue eyes? I don't 
because, you know, it was all about Bella's brown eyes and how chocolatey they were and they were Charlie's eyes and that was the one thing that Edward was going to miss. And... So Bella had Charlie's eyes and Beau has Renee's eyes. What does that mean? So the boy has the eyes of the mother, the daughter the eyes of the father. Bella has brown eyes, a darker colour, more mysterious, whereas blue is more innocent. I don't think anybody who's looked at me with my pale blue eyes has been like, oh, she's clearly innocent. That's because you're always naked and holding a gun. <laughs> Speaking of his appearance. Yeah. He's tall. Yes, that's said a lot, isn't it? Very concerned about being tall. Now, see, my brother is 6'6". Six, six. That's very tall. And he's not even 18 yet. I understand that it is a thing. Like, people will notice. Yeah, sure. And if you are not a confident person, then it's a bit like wearing a hat, isn't it? Like, you don't wear a hat unless you want to be looked at. You can't do the same with your height. No, well, exactly. (laughs) Exactly. So being tall, it's like a hat you can't take off. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe I'm wrong, because I'm not tall. I would have thought that if you were a 17-year-old tall lad... Lad... That that was a um, that that would be a positive. Yeah, thing. usually it is. Yeah, and he's obviously not unfortunate looking, is he? So, but he's talking about the growth spurt that it's like it's just happened to him. Yeah, and we never had that with Bella. Bella hadn't just had a growth spurt. This is interesting because we talked last episode about there are some intentional differences that are not to do with gender. The question that I now have over Bo's whole appearance is: Are these changes because he is male? Are we going with? Well, he's a boy, so he's just had a growth spurt and he's tall. But that doesn't explain the blue eyes. There have been conscious decisions made about Beau's appearance. I wonder why. Um. So then, obviously, Beau leaves Rene and meets Charlie. So Charlie with a son. Mm-hmm. And don't we know it? Drink every time someone calls Beau son. Oh, I know. I had a real problem with the airport scene with the near fight. What is that about? What is going on? That does not exist at all in Twilight. There is nothing about that. No. Like, I hope that has a narrative purpose. Is it just to be like, he's a tall boy, he's intimidating. The guy thought, hey, I could take you on because he nudged him accidentally. So basically, this is supposed to put into our heads that Bo looks weak. No, I'm saying that... Because he's a man, these things happen, like fights happen, fights ensue. I see. So if that were to happen with Bella, they would have said, oh, don't worry about it. Yeah. And also he's tall. Because he's a tall man. Right. Okay. Yeah, I see your point. But you were kind of saying just then, like, maybe it's to prove that he's not a fighter. So it tells us that he's not a fighter. I'm wondering if that's part of it. It's to make Bo in the reader's mind more vulnerable because Bella needs to be, he needs to be the lamb Mm. to the lion, you know? Something that I noticed throughout the chapter, while we're kind of on the discussion of the gender swap, because that's going to be, I mean, that's what this whole season of this podcast is going to be about. There are several points in this chapter where, in Twilight, Bella cried, and Bo does not cry. What we get instead are, it was nice to be alone, not to have to smile and look comfortable, a relief to stare out of the window at the sheeting rain and let my thoughts go dark. Dark, yeah, I hate that line. Going into school, there's the anxiety about um, he thinks he's already the butt of the joke. Then the end, Bella gets really upset with the way Edward behaves in that first biology class. So does Bo, but the final thing is um, I headed back to Charlie's house trying to think of nothing at all. That's the final line of this chapter. And the final line of Twilight's chapter, First Sight, is I headed back to Charlie's house fighting tears the whole way there. 
there's a very conscious shift in what I'm going to say Maya believes, the way that the male mind and the female mind works. And again, I'm talking, I really hate using these phrases like talking about male minds and female minds. Mm. We are going to be discussing gender in terms of a, a binary here throughout this podcast and that's not to say that we think that that's real (laughs) the gender binary is is false but we we're using binary language because the book is using binary language and in order to have this discussion that's the world that is presented to us here i don't know i suppose i just want to say to our non-binary and gender non-conforming listeners we see you we love you (laughs) we'll try and bring that in as much as we can yeah but here yeah i suppose what i'm saying is i i'm trying to imagine the thought process behind this ultimately what i'm getting at here is Bo should be crying (laughs) if i was 17 years old and i was alone in my bedroom having just moved from a place that i loved to a place that i hated yeah having left everything that i knew and ostensibly enjoyed anyone would cry regardless of gender no i didn't think about it to be honest. You didn't notice that he wasn't crying? No. I'm 50-50 with how I'm reading it because in some ways I'm like, is this me knowing the original text and not believing this is a male voice? Or is this me not understanding the a teenage boy's experience? Because I don't. Okay, yeah. I can assume and think. You were able to imagine your whole life being like Bella's. Yeah, I suppose. Whereas I always had an extra layer of difference from the character. Whereas I suppose now I've, in theory, got the opportunity to have that with Bo. Because Bo is a 17-year-old boy. I have been a 17-year-old boy. <laughs> Tell you what, some things I did appreciate was that he's not into cars and he's not... I kind of thought he was you in some ways. Like a 17-year-old you. Interesting. Are we going to go there so early, but like, is Bo gay? Th- th- yes! Uh- Or does she just not understand what a male teenage boy would be in this situation? Or do you just not understand what a male teenage boy would be in this situation? I don't know. It just doesn't seem... It doesn't seem like a right fit. Okay. Unless, for me, I'm like, why not be gay? It's there. I suppose just... Some of these things that obviously kind of flagged up to me as being this is because of masculinity and this is because of femininity. And one of the things was crying and the lack of crying we still have a bit of an exploration of anxiety though i think it's played down a little bit more Bo's anxiety compared to bella's Mm. he expresses it differently he doesn't cry Mm -hmm. and the main difference between these two characters is apparently just that one is male and one is female they're supposed to be the same but are they because we had in the forward she said that actually Bo's personality is different and now we've got that Bo has blue eyes that's really stuck for me his eye color i can't believe you did pick up on it because then that that is an unnecessary change but then there's no such thing as an unnecessary change if she has made that choice that choice has meaning yeah and so now i'm just thinking what is that meaning if anyone out there (laughs) has an idea about what the meaning is let us know but that is now starting to say to me these are different people bella and Bo are not one and the same yes i had a question going off of the gender topic a little bit did we know that charlie and renee got married in vegas i don't think we did no no that's now we do now this is just me assuming that charlie and renee were high school sweethearts in forks 
and they got married in Forks and they lived in Forks and Renee was like, I can't do this. This is too much. And that's why she left. I don't know if that's textual facts, but I... Well, that's what I, I assume. Kind of it's not said. Just, yeah, but it fits. Because it fits. that would mean, you know, she has reason to leave because she's never been anywhere else and it's not her and she has to get out. But why would they get married in Vegas? I think Vegas culturally is shorthand for impulsive, yes. crazy... Maybe an elopement. I understand the connotations. I just don't think it fits the characters that we know. Oh, I think it fits Renee. Then from Vegas, you come back to Forks. Yeah, because what else do you do? Mm. You have this shotgun wedding and then you go back to your high school town and you set up house and then you start to realise it's not actually where your heart's at. Maybe. I don't know. For me, it fits narratively. Shall we have a little chat about the Cullens? I think we need to, don't we? They are key. Could you imagine if we didn't discuss them at all? (laughs) I really feel that I don't want to. I know. For a start, obviously this is first sight. We just get a glimpse of them. And what what does descriptions are given Mm. (laughs) oh boy why uh it's something okay so the first one is the female version of emic who is now eleanor could play volleyball because of their height and their slender build it's all about height isn't he do you need to be tall to play volleyball i didn't really we don't really play it in this country no i mean i think just height tends to help in all sports unless you're a jockey right Okay. Female version of Jasper, who is now Jessamine, looks like a serial killer. Yeah. Intense and edgy. Female version of Edward, who is now Edith. Small and ginger, basically. Making sure that we know that she's a small lady. Height is important. Height is just huge in this book already. Yeah. Was it with Bella? Did Bella go, you know, he's really tall. I mean, I, as Chloe, men do need to be tall for me because I am a tall lady. But then we've got such a switch between tall being good and tall being bad. Like, I don't know. So with the girls, height, other than Edith, height seems to be important because we've got Eleanor is maybe as tall as I was. Her legs went on forever. And then Jessamine, not quite so tall, but still taller than most of the other guys at my table. Now, is that a good thing? Because supermodels are tall. I was going to say it's supermodels, isn't it? But then, like you're saying, you know, the laws of desirability, like stupid normative rules, seem to be that a man needs to be taller than his female partner. It is strange. And then we have the male version of Rosalie, who is, oh, who is called Royal. Royal. (laughs) Royal Hale. (sighs) Has a man bun. Yeah, right? But it's okay, because it doesn't make him look feminine. Nothing feminine about him. Somehow it made him look even more like a man. Wow. Well, thank God, because heaven forbid... Heaven forbid a man should look feminine or androgynous, or that anyone's gender should be in any way ambiguous. That would be awful. I know, it's so bad. And then the male version of Alice, which is Archie, has a buzz cut. The way these characters are discussed, the change in their physicality is significant because of the gender. We've had Emmett go from being huge and strong to just being really tall. The change in Rosalie, it particularly bothers me, I think, because Rose is just described as like a movie star. Gorgeous, right? Royal, clearly the school's star athlete. Surely the school's star athlete should be Eleanor. Yeah. Now, I don't know if we're just going to try and brush this away because it's 2005, but a star athlete could be a woman. Why has Rosalie, the beauty, turned into a star athlete? Because Royal has got to be a jock, hasn't he? Male beauty has to be associated with athletic ability, and female beauty is reduced to long legs and cool hair. It just, it's even more superficial than it is in Twilight. 
And that's saying something. I do, though, appreciate that Dr. Cullen is now a woman. Dr. Cullen and her husband. Yes. And funny, so Esme was not named for a while and obviously wasn't really given many lines. And the husband now isn't. True. So that's good. Yeah, I mean... I'm like, okay, yeah. It's not good that that happened with Esme. Esme was a criminally underdeveloped character. Yeah. But if we're going to do it to her, let's do it to the male her too. So... Yeah, I appreciated that. Yeah. What did you think about the um, the spelling change of Edith? Clunky and unnecessary. There's no need. There's no need. You could have just always in the book written it as Edith with a Y and just never had that thing happen where he spots the name written down and is like, oh, I should have known. It's spelt in an interesting way because she's so quirky and new and old school. Yeah, I know. It's boring. It's boring. I'm, I'm not talking about it. <laughs> I agree. Uh, last comment before we get to good parts and worst parts. I think I might prefer Michaela, the female version of Mike, to Mike. Okay, here's where I start to get nervous that my unconscious bias is going to become conscious and obvious. Yeah. <laughs> bias. <laughs> because same, Michaela, instantly I'm like, well, you're fine. Yeah. Mike was horribly offensive, but you're fine. Yeah. She's not doing anything differently. Jeremy, as opposed to Jess... Don't like Jeremy at all. I hate Jeremy and I'm so upset because we stand Jessica. We were Jessica Stanley's biggest advocates. And from what I've seen so far of Jeremy, I'm like, no, fuck you, man. Yeah. I have one more thing on the gender swap. We've just mentioned already briefly the receptionist, a balding man, when previously it was a woman in a purple t-shirt. Still don't get a name. Still don't get a name. It's fine. Which I appreciate. I'm like, if you're not going to give a woman a name, you don't give the man a name. It stuck out to me that suddenly every teacher in this school is a woman and the one receptionist is a man. Now, my one thing that I was very disappointed to learn is that throughout the series of Twilight so far, <laughs> I, think I, know I what you're gonna say. <laughs> have been holding on to the fact that Coach Clapp could have been a woman. Yes! Because I checked again in Twilight, we do not get any pronouns for Coach Clapp. So I thought, fuck it, there are no other women teaching at this school. Coach Clapp can be a woman. Alas, in life and death, we get the word she. We get a pronoun so... Coach Clap in Life and Death is a woman, which means that in Twilight, there were no female teachers. No. Bella was not taught by a single woman. And now... They will only be taught. Be <laughs> they will only be taught by women. <laughs> I think that's odd. It is odd. Obviously, there are plenty of female teachers and plenty of male receptionists at schools. And that's it... great, but why can't it be a, just an equal mix? I'm excited for when Beau faints, I assume, there will be a hot male nurse. <gasps> I'm excited for that blood type. We like a hot nurse. We do like a hot nurse. Well, female or male. Yeah. Oh, true that. Yeah. Okay. Should we do our best bits and worst bits quickly? Yes. Who's going first? I will, because it's kind of the same thing. So my best bits and worst bits are the name changes. <sighs> so, okay. I know this is one novel and it's basically Twilight. So I guess it's easier to keep the same initial for everybody. So everybody is aware of who is who. But come on, did we need it? We would figure it out. Yeah, or at least we would have read it the same way we read Twilight. Yeah. I mean, it would have made it more difficult for us doing this podcast to make the comparisons we are. But I mean, to be honest, the first initial isn't what bothers me. Is the name Beaufort. Beaufort? I assume Beaufort. I looked it up. It's French. Oh. Um, it means beautiful and strong. Beau and fort. Yes. 
I mean, to be fair, Bo doesn't like the name Beaufort. No, no one should. Oh, no. We might have Beauforts listening. I'm sorry. No, if you can work it, you can work it, and I'm sure you are great as a Beaufort. This character should not be called Beaufort. I'm sorry. No. And his granddad was called Beaufort? Yeah, we get that unnecessary information. Yeah. But it is necessary in this book to explain the fucking stupid name Beaufort. Yeah. Fucking Royal is awful. Royal is disgusting. I think Archie's fine. Archie's fine. Okay. So they're both the best. In what way are they the best bit? Eleanor's all right. Oh, I see. So it's like some of the names are your favourites and some of the names are your least favourite bits about the whole thing. Yeah. Okay. My best bit is that Bo, like Bella, still queer. Yeah. Still there. Absolutely. We still get the bit about the glitch in the brain. Yeah. He's not into anything that he's supposed to be into. The expectations of masculinity that he doesn't fit. He's not that guy. Nice to see. I hope to see more. I'll continue as your non-heterosexual correspondent to (laughs) to check in with you as the story develops. (laughs) My worst bit is... Bonnie Black's husband. Does she have one? She has one. What? Where was Billy Black's wife? Maybe you can tell me because I truly don't remember, but did Billy Black ever have a wife? Did we ever mention Billy Black's wife? She did, but she died. She died like a long time ago or did we... I can't remember when, but she was definitely dead. But it wasn't a major story point. No. When, where was Bonnie's husband mentioned? Do you remember Bonnie Black down at La Push? And Bo says, no. (laughs) Charlie says, she and her husband used to go fishing with us during the summer. Oh, right. The equivalent to that line in Twilight is just, he used to go fishing with us. Maybe it's petty, but it just hit my eyes. She needs a husband. She needs a husband to go and do fishing. The male activity. Is it because, perhaps... If just Bonnie and Charlie were to go fishing together, would there be a romantic possibility there? We need to have a husband present in order to not think that the story is going to take a romantic turn for them. Mm, Implications, yeah. Anyway, it just bothered me. It's unnecessary. Bonnie Black can be Charlie's best friend without there being a husband there. Yeah. Oh, I didn't even pick up on that. Well done. Bonnie Black, we'll see how she's developed. I mean, I'm intrigued to meet Bonnie Black properly. uh, Me too. I, I just wonder now, is her husband still living? Will her... Her husband get a name is charlie best friends with bonnie's husband or is he best friends with bonnie yeah interesting okay so leading straight out of that actually my burning question in this version of events will bonnie black and charlie hook up Ooh, my first thought is i don't care <laughs> <laughs> really what i'm getting at is we're Billy and Charlie really in love. Ah, I see, I see. But then if Charlie ends up with Seth's mum. Sue Clearwater, yeah. But is that just because the prison of heterosexuality kept him away from Billy? Perhaps. Well, if Bonnie's husband is dead and they get together, then we'll know the truth about Billy and Charlie, won't we? And maybe that's why Billy was so angry at Bella for not getting with Jacob. You know, keep it in the family. If he couldn't be with Charlie, then you need to be with Jacob. Okay, so what But what are you saying? You Remember, you need to give an answer. And this answer is law. Are they in love? Oh, God. I'm just thinking of people's happiness. <laughs> just it. Oh, will they ever be happy? I don't know. Uh, I think Charlie might be destined to be alone. Wow. I think Bonnie, from what I've gathered, might be a bit too much for Charlie. I think she's going to be a really strong woman and I think she can do better. Okay. So no, I'm going to say no. They are, no. I like that. I appreciate that answer. Thank you. Thank you for joining us for Chapter 1 of Life and Death. Join us next time for Chapter 2, Open Book. You can find us on social media by searching at ForksCast. 
And you can rate, review and subscribe to What The Forks wherever you listen. Until next time, take care and stay at home. And remember, Bella's eyes were brown. Bye.